Today on Abounding Grace, improve your vision for life. When I look unto Jesus, I see things clearly. What I choose to put in front of my eyes, how I choose to feed my ears, will help me see things either clearly or blurry. Listen, seeing things clearly represent the way that God desires you to see them. That's where life change comes. God working on the inside, you cooperating on the outside, obediently. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You We've got a great study lined up for you today on Abounding Grace, so keep it right here. Pastor Ed Taylor will be in Hebrews chapter 12. In recent broadcasts, we've noticed that life is much like a race, and as Christians, the goal is to finish with as many others as possible. And today, we want to give you a few tips that will help you run your race effectively with the end goal in mind. And it all starts with looking unto Jesus. Notice this, how do we run our race? Well, we run number four in verse two there, looking unto Jesus. You might want to circle that word looking. It means it's a unique word in the New Testament, and it means to stare. It means to stare. And you know what it's like to stare. You know how people have stared at you before and how it's un uncomfortable. And you know that you've accidentally or on purpose stared at other people before. And you just lock your eyes on and you don't move. And that's what he's saying here. You want to make it through this race. You want to be in a, best, in a better position. Lock your eyes on Jesus. Lock your eyes on Jesus Christ. There are a couple words in the New Testament that, that are translated look. One of them is the Greek word blepo, and it just means to quickly glance. You kind of look, and you kind of look, and your eyes bounce. Another word is the word oidos, and when that word is used, it's used to describe looking with the goal of understanding what you're looking at. This is much deeper. This word is much deeper. It means to fix your eyes and don't move them at all. To look steadfastly. It also has the idea of fixing your mind, not just eyes, but fixing your mind. It's very similar to what I was speaking to a new believer recently. And one of the questions that they asked was, how do I read the Bible? And I know a lot of people, when they read the Bible like any other book, open it up, first page, Genesis, work through, kind of make it through Genesis, don't quite understand it all, make it through Exodus, kind of, you know, and then you get to Leviticus and you go, what? What is this? And so I, I do believe you want to read through the whole Bible, but when you're first starting, you start not back in Genesis, although I'm not saying not to read Genesis, but you want to start in the Gospel of John. You want to start in John. And then when you're done with John, you want to go to the book of Mark. And then when you're done with Mark, you want to go to the book of Luke. And then when you're done with Luke, you want to go into Matthew. Once again, I don't know why they put them in this order, because Matthew is the most challenging gospel, because it connects you back to the, all the Old Testament. 
You see, each of the Gospels had a purpose. And by the way, Gospels, when I refer to Gospels, those are the first four books in the New Testament, the second half of your Bible on the right-hand side. It starts with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so I gave you a new order. You start with John because John was written to build your faith. He said it straight up. I've written these things so you might believe. So when you're reading John with the motive of just hanging out with Jesus, the most important thing of your life is to know. When you say, when I, when I tell you, look unto Jesus, then the only way that you can truly look to Jesus is to know him personally. And how do you know him personally? You follow along of what's been revealed about him in the Gospels. And John will build your faith automatically. That's why it was written. And I want you, when you read John, and it's not just for new believers, I want you, when you read John, to actually put yourself with Jesus. I mean, be there with him when he was with the woman at the well. Uh, and imagine in your own mind what it would be like to be right in that moment listening to Jesus, watching how he dealt. What was his personality, his temperament? I, I want you to be there in John 17 when he's praying out loud. And you're listening to him pray and you're encouraged. Your faith will be built up as you watch what he says, what he does, and how he does it. When you're done with John, you go over to Mark. Mark was written so you see Jesus as a consummate servant. And it's just all kinds of action as Jesus was actively serving. And it'll minister to your heart. Not only did Jesus come to serve, but he, gave, he came to give his life a ransom for many, Mark 10, 45. When you're done with Mark, then you jump into Luke and you're following Jesus around as the perfect human. This is God in human flesh. You know, you're an imperfect human, but as you watch Jesus as the perfect human, it encourages you as, again, you listen to him teach and you watch his illustrations. And then finally, you come to Matthew, and Matthew's going to connect you back with the Old Testament, and you learn that Jesus came to fulfill all of the Old Testament, that he is the promised Messiah, that, that he fulfilled the promises of God. And together, you just spend some time there because you really are going to have a hard time looking to Jesus if you don't know him. It's going to be very difficult to run your race. Who am I running this for? Why am I running this? You see, the, the important, it's important to know Jesus because the world in which you live is anti-God. This culture, the, the atmosphere of this world, the way they think, the, what they do is anti-God. Let me give you a better phrase. I'll give you a biblical phrase. This culture is anti-Christ. They not only take a position against God, they also take a position to replace God in your life. You could say this, a better way of looking at it is that the thought process, the way things are done in this world, the world view of the way they see the world, those apart from Christ, they see it in a secular humanistic way where man is the center of everything. So that's where the schools teach. That's the way you might have been raised. That's what the movies portray. That's what music portrays. It's all about satisfying yourself, getting as much as you can. The philosophy of this world is all about you. You're the center. You're accountable to no one. Do whatever you want. Do whatever pleases you. As long as you don't hurt anyone, do whatever you want. But at the same time, the secular worldview says, well, you're the judge of whether you hurt anyone. So there you go, making all your decisions, saying, well, I can do whatever I want as long as I don't hurt anyone. And there are hurting people all around you because they have replaced God in their anti-God. 
you and I, when we were born again, our worldview immediately changed. And now we see life from a biblical perspective. I, I mean, I hope you do. I know a lot of believers say they do, and a lot of believers don't live that way. That you really don't filter your decisions between what the Bible says. It says, no, the, it, some of the things that you guys are into, some of the things that you're doing, some of the things you're, you got going on are absolutely against the Bible. And so in that case, you don't have a biblical worldview. You're not willing to submit your life and change your life according to the teachings of the Word. And I'm not talking about the teachings of some pastor. I'm not talking about, like, whatever the Bible says, you and I should be doing it. It's as simple as that. That's what, when you run your race, you look to Jesus. You filter, the filter, you know, the worldview, the filter of your life should be the Word of God as it's revealing the character and nature of God. I was thinking, you know, I, I love this illustration because when I take my glasses off, everything is completely blurry. I can't see a thing. I mean, I know there are people here, but I can't recognize one face in this room right now. But when I place my glasses on, I see everything through the lens of my glasses. Everything's clear as day. Now, I meant to bring an old pair in because I have old pairs in my office at home that if I chose to take that old pair and put them on, I would see everything. I have no choice but see everything through that old pair. It's an old prescription. So things would be partially, they would be partially blurry. But I have a new prescription right now. This is the latest one. I see everything crystal clear through these. These crystal clear latest prescription glasses represent keeping my eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. When I look unto Jesus, I see things clearly. What I choose to put in front of my eyes, how I choose to feed my ears, will help me see things either clearly or blurry. Listen, seeing things clearly represent the way that God desires you to see them. Not your opinions, not, not what you feel, but rather when I put this on, I can't see anything except through the lens of these glasses. Looking unto Jesus means very much the same thing. You won't be able to see anything in your life except through the lens of your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where life change comes. God working on the inside, you cooperating on the outside, obediently. We look unto Jesus. We look unto Jesus. Think of all the things that take our eyes off of Jesus. Think of all the things that want our attention. Money, relationships, sports, retirement, politics, opinions, raises, houses, cars. Sometimes these things even become the end goal of a person. But there's a race that you and I are running. It's a spiritual race. And our eyes cannot be diverted off of Jesus. We need to stare at him. It's where we get our equilibrium, even in the midst of suffering. You know, when you experience great pain, great grief, when you experience great loss, you get disoriented. You don't begin to see, you see things differently. I like to describe it like anyone that's ever been punched in the gut and you lose your breath. Everything doesn't matter except getting your breath back. And that's how suffering is and how pain is. You get punched in the gut and then sometimes you get kicked while you're down and you're just like, stop, stop. How do you get your equilibrium back? How do you get oriented again? Looking unto Jesus. Focused. He 
gives that point of reference that's needed in a very difficult life. It's, too many, it's true that too many believers are preoccupied with themselves and not necessarily sinfully, but just practically by habit. Jesus warned us in Luke 21, verse 34, it says, take, Jesus said, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. We must make a concerted, dedicated, daily decision to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit, choosing to look to Jesus. Number five, he now develops this. He says, number five, we also run this race by looking unto Jesus as the author and finisher of our faith. We're to look to him as the author and finisher of our faith. He's the supreme example of our faith. He is the author. This word speaks of the originator, the pioneer, the one who begins and takes the lead. He originated all of faith. He originated all the faith in chapter 11. He originated all the faith in our lives. And everything begins with Jesus. You, when you were born again, everything began there in your life. Prior to that, the Bible describes us as being dead in our trespasses and sins. It describes us as being separated from God. It describes us as being spiritually blind. Like we were lost as lost could be. But the author, Jesus, when you were born again, that's when the clock started going forward in this race. He's the author. But notice he's also the finisher. So when you're looking to him, you're reminded he started it because that's for everyone that doubts their salvation. At times, you go, man, I'm so bad, I'm so horrible, or maybe I'm not even saved. Well, look unto Jesus. He started it. And then this is also for the people that go, I don't think I'm going to make it, man. I'm done. I'm going to quit. I don't want to run anymore. Well, you look to Jesus as the finisher. He's going to get you through. He's going to take you to the finish line. And you just want to be in such a way where you don't disqualify yourself along the way. Remember in our last study, I mentioned a personal heavy desire on my heart. I don't want to be one of those pastors that you wake up one day and, and the headline is there, another pastor in Denver thrown to the wayside because of some sin, some disqualifying sin. I don't. I want to live a life above reproach with all my heart. I don't want to hurt anybody in the role that God has entrusted to me. But when you know it, this week, I woke up to a headline of a very prominent, successful blessed pastor who had such a great influence on the next generation who disqualified himself because of sexual sin and some other sins that aren't to be named among a pastor. And it broke my heart. That doesn't make me happy to read that. God was using this guy in a huge way. Yeah, he's a part of another church that does things a little different than us. Great. God's, God was using him in such a huge way. And as you read, as he takes responsibility, which I'm really grateful because as you take responsibility and repent, God begins to work restoration right then and there. Yeah, people are hurt. We're praying, and I will in a moment pray for the church that woke up without a pastor today and came to service and all the young people looking to him. You know, the enemy loves to use these things to destroy and, and take out people, and it just breaks my heart. And I know this brother will be back. I'm confident of it. But for now, his wife is hurt, embarrassed and shamed and all of the enemy just wanting to destroy life. Today, like him, we need to wake up and remember he authored, and even in this gross immorality, he's the finisher. 
I think of Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, where Paul says, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He who began the work. When you are running this race, you've got to look to Jesus and just remember, he started it, he'll finish it. Number six. Number six, we also need to look to Jesus for the joy. It says, he's the author and finisher of our faith, verse two, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. For the joy that was set before him. Number six is that joy. We run our race with joy, not misery. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's challenging. But for Jesus, I think that joy that's referred to here specifically was you and me. He ran the race thinking of us. He went to the cross thinking of your forgiveness and mine. We know that he prayed for us. We know that he thought of us. And here he is to the, going to the cross with joy. And the joy of the Father is your salvation and mine. That we can run this race with joy. Because that joy is in front of us too. God's promises are sure. Your life is going to affect so many more people. And it's a joyful thing to know that we're in this race. Number seven. Not only that, we run this race looking unto Jesus that he endured the cross, despising the shame. So we're looking at hupomone and we go, man, I need this endurance. Well, look to Jesus. He went all the way. He finished what he started. And here we are, running, ready to give up, ready to throw in the towel, upset at Christianity, upset at believers. What's happened to the church? What's happened to our world? What's happened? Well, I'm done with it. You got to get your eyes back on Jesus. You've got to look to him. Can you imagine what Jesus endured for you and me? He endured. I mean, and he despised the shame. All the things that have ever happened to you. I mean, think about it. People lied about you. People talk behind your back. Uh, they make fun of you. They take advantage of you. They steal from you. Whatever it might be. And you think, well, wait a minute. What about Jesus? Jesus was lied about. He was mistreated. He was beaten. I mean, remember at his trial? Not only did they lie about him, but they hired people as witnesses to lie about him. I mean, it was so bad that they hired liars to lie at his trial. And then he stood before an innocent man. And what did the government do? The government condemned him not only as guilty, but the government condemned him to death. Shamefully. He was put in the same category as murderers and terrorists, Jesus Christ. And what did he do? He kept taking those steps toward the cross. Jesus now, right now, of all that he experienced in life, is in a place of authority. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. It's already been mentioned many times. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 13. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 1. Peter mentions it in 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 22. Jesus has sat down. That speaks of him not only being finished, but also being in a place of authority. He sat down permanently. He has nothing else to do. And when Jesus went to the cross, he endured all that it demanded. 
He despised the shame. And listen, this is so important, this phrase. I I had it written down exactly. I'm going to read it exactly how it in my notes because I want it to be a seed planted in your heart of all the difficult things you face, all the trials in the world today, all the issues that are coming against you and, and all the issues you don't like. You don't like it at work. You don't like what's going on at home. Listen, this is the phrase that, I, that the Lord gave me for this, for as I observed Jesus. Listen, he despised the shame and he accepted it willingly. That may be what is waiting for you to get back in the race. You need to accept it willingly. Don't misunderstand my words. I chose them very carefully. I didn't say you need to like it willingly. I didn't say you need to love it willingly. I didn't say you need to fight it. I believe Jesus gives us the example here in Hebrews 12 to accept it willingly. Why? Because we trust God by faith. Why? Because the great sin we have to lay aside is unbelief. And unbelief comes as we no longer choose to trust God at his word. God said things would get worse, but he also said things would get better. (laughs) God said it's going to be a troubling time, but he also said, I will come again to deliver you and rescue you and take all things as we were reading, as, as actually as we were singing. I'm going to work them all together for good. All things are working together. I'm a potter. I'm I'm a potter and an artist, God says. You're the canvas and the clay. And it's going to turn out so beautiful, even in the midst of deep pain. God is asking you to run the race joyfully. These things have to go in order for you to run. Your eyes must be fixed in order to run. God says, follow your friend. Follow your Savior. Follow your Lord and run, drafting behind him. And you'll finish all the way to the end because Jesus promised he's coming for us. Just get in the race, church. And I think the big word for us today is you've got to get your eyes back on the Lord. Stop buying into the lies of this world, this culture, the way of this world, the schemes of this world, the hope of this world. It leaves people empty. And get back to the place of being the church trusting God, loving God, serving God, and being the salt and the light in a very dark, tasteless culture. So dark and so tasteless. We've all seen, I'm sure we have testimonies as well, like where we bought into the world's lies and they let us down. And we bought into it and we thought, oh, this is for sure going to be. No, 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 not going to be. Because God, he wants us to be like Abraham. As we learn in chapter 11, he wants us to be those men and women looking for the city whose builder and maker is God. That's Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace, and he's been covering the first couple of verses in Hebrews chapter 12. It's a message we've titled, Look Unto Jesus. Hear it again at AboundingGraceRadio.com or through the Calvary Church app. Well, Pastor Ed, today you encouraged our listeners to look to Jesus as they run their race. And there are many distractions along life's road. If someone listening right now would say they've been focused on something other than Jesus, would you pray for them right now as we close? I would love to pray for them, Larry, uh, because these distractions, they come to us all. Distractions of emotion, situations, difficulties, 
you know, they just catch our eye and we get our eyes off the Lord. So, Father, I pray for those today that are discouraged in their race. Uh, it's been hard and challenging, and the distractions, they just keep continually pressing in. And I pray you'd give singular purpose, like an eye uh, toward our master, that we would not be easily distracted or discouraged, but that, God, we would receive your comfort, we would receive your encouragement, we would receive increased faith, and trust you with our lives, good or bad, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Ed. Each month, we pick out a book to help you develop a spiritual library with the hope and prayer it will aid you in your walk with the Lord. Here in September, we've got a good one to share with you, written by Louis Giglio, titled, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. Would you like to break free from the chains of negative thinking and experience true freedom from unhealthy thoughts and emotions? You can. In this book, you'll discover practical ways to overcome Satan's lies and find peace and security in any situation you find yourself in. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. You might think of it as our way of saying thank you. You can do that by calling 877-30-GRACE. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE or order online at calvaryco.store. Abounding Grace is a nonprofit radio ministry located in Aurora, Colorado. We're thankful for each and every listener that comes alongside us to help bring these teachings to your community every day. You can make a donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Don't miss our next study in Hebrews. We'll pick up right where we left off today. That's here at Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.